Hello, welcome back to another visit to the Awesome Village. My name is Greg, and joining me is John, Glenn, Ryan, and that's right. We got Glenn back. Yeah, I am. We I'm I've returned. Episode, but uh, Glenn had some important garage work to do, and now he is yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a work in progress. Um, for those that y'all don't know, like I have the house, you know, my house. It's we have a six car garage, and it's kind of been in my family for a long time. So I thought, you know, while this was whole thing was happening, I might, you know, start cleaning out the garage. And yeah, that was a feat that I should have. I, I, I it it's taken a while. <laughs> like we we took two trips to the dump just to throw out like random garbage. I've you went to the same kind of kind of thing redesigning like my little my personal workspace which is kind of where i'm talking from now uh and i've been doing some different stuff like outside in the yard and, and thing but once you start something it's crazy we were messing around in my, my mom's shed the other day and like we took everything out like an hour or two of us organizing and rearranging stuff so i feel you yeah like we had containers like from the floor to ceiling in the back and after we were done like consolidating and throwing stuff away i mean there's only two rows now and we have like a stack of just empty containers, but you know, we're like, I mean, we found so many like containers just full of like random Mardi Gras stuff. And I mean, just, I mean, it was just junk. Although any I didn't any find, good stuff, any good, good old mem- memories and stuff that you found? Uh, yeah. Well, I found, I told you I found the N64. Yeah. Um, nice. only oh, found I found my four games. Oh, Sweet. I only found two games. I only found rogue squadron and F zero X. And some good ones. I got yeah. I've got GoldenEye, Shadows of the Empire, Mario 64, oh. Pod Racer. Uh, yeah, a couple of different ones. Oh, Pod Racer. Oh. Which, you, by the way, do you see that they're re-released? They're, they've they've updated it. They've souped up the graphics, and they're releasing it on Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4 at the end of the month. Pod Racer? Pod Racer, yeah. Sweet. I wonder if you can still set people on fire with Sebulba's Pod. I don't know. I, I did. If you look it up, uh, IGN has. Hi, Sandra. <laughs> Sandra's here. I, hey! A video of the Sorry, Greg, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, it's okay. It's fine. You are a teacher. Yeah, she's she's on a Zoom like game night with all her girlfriends right now. Oh, nice. Like a it's like a separate girls' night and guys' night, but in the same house. That's right. <laughs> and, and Felicity's in her room. I don't know. We put Frozen Two on, and she just closed the door. The You're video. Of Hurley running through the water, Glenn, while she's in the yeah. pool, that was priceless. That, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that picture you sent me of her with her cape. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, she was excited. But, um, yeah, fun stuff. Um, I, I really did enjoy the Tiger King episode, by the way. So nice. what, you got to give us your your take on what you guys thought did of you, Tiger King. Did, what, did you finish it, Glenn? No, I, I haven't seen the last episode or the Joel McHale thing yet. Okay. But, I mean, it's – I, I when I got to the point where I realized I wasn't going to be loose, like, I'm going to say this. Take a, it's, a, it's a train wreck. Which yeah. I did see some – like you know how y'all cast the movie and included some of mine. I saw a fan casting Joe, uh, Joe Exotic and Carol, and once – you know, sometimes once you hear it, that's all you could think of from then on out. Well, yep. I'm just going to say Joe Exotic is Michael Keaton. Oh, wow. And and Carol is Lisa Kudrow. 
I could see both of those. Yeah. I'd have to see yeah. the Crystal right now because I'm still watching her on Friends on yeah. reruns. On well, TV. just think about like the the stuff she's been doing recently. I mean, it's a little edgier, I guess, yeah. but um, I, I, was, I just when I I just thought about some of the some stuff, and I can completely see him as Joe Exotic. <laughs> so. All right. Um, so Ryan, I, uh, there's, there's a show you've been watching for a while that has now been back, and I've been wanting to see this. I keep seeing the trailers for it; and it looks kind of good. But Insecure debuted again on HBO. So can so you, you take us through what you've seen? Why haven't you watched it? Well, be, because other stuff popped up, man. This is and the, like all this new shit. Yeah, yeah. this is season four. <laughs> They're, uh, this is a, I, I have a feeling if anybody ever starts watching this show, they'll, they'll end up going through quite a few episodes. It's very easy to watch. Um, it's basically just about the life of this, uh, this, I don't know, she's probably in her early thirties, black woman living alone. Well, you know, it's, it's about her relationships, her job and everything. And it's, you know, kind of like, a. uh, it's got very similar elements to sex in the city, but for African American women, um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's really, they've, they've done a great job with it. Um, the characters have all progressed. Um, when the when the show started, it was all about her and her boyfriend. That's all ended now. And, you know, she's moving on to her own type of business that she's working on. Um, it's very hilarious. Um, there's some very graphic and yet hilarious sex scenes in this first two episodes involving a scene where, She's having sex with somebody and the condom goes missing and they can't find it. And she retreats to the bathroom with a, a, a handheld mirror to attempt to retrieve it from inside of herself, which is one of the most hilarious things I've seen on TV in quite a while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's, it is very, very funny. Um, and even in that scene, like it's done very hilarious where she's looking at herself in the mirror as she's trying to figure out where this thing is. And it's, it's pretty hilarious. They're only 30 minutes and uh, very fast, easy to get through, very enjoyable, very fun. All right. Um, well, all three of you have, have caught up on the new season of Clone Wars. I have not gotten to watch any of it. So you guys uh, get me up to speed on what I need to know if I'm a fan of Star Wars Clone Wars. The well, Siege of Mandalore has begun. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's what this, this season's gonna be twelve episodes, and it's gonna be three four episode story arcs. And, and the first, the first four were um about a group of clone troopers called the uh what the Bad Batch. The Bad Batch. The Bad Batch. They were all they weren't exact clones. They were all they all had different uh characteristics that made them different than the rest of the clones. Um, and then there's the second, the second one is what all about uh Ahsoka Tano. And she meets up with these two sisters that, I don't know, that was kind of, it was okay. I didn't really like those two characters that much. But it, it, it at least was kind of Birds of Prey-ish. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> and then the, the the third one has just kind of started. And it's um like they were just saying, it's the Siege of Mandalore has begun. I don't agree with them trying to do three, four episodes. Because the Bad Batch could have probably been done in three. The one with the sisters could have been done in at Two at most. Yeah. I was not a fan of the sisters' story arc. But I can tell you one thing. 
this first episode of the last four episodes, I agree with Glenn when we I texted about it. That might be the best episode of the entire series. Yeah. I mean, you could tell something special was going to happen because the opening credits were different. Like, it was the original yeah. Lucasfilm logo from, like, the old was, movies. At first, I, I thought I had clicked on the wrong thing. I, I'm so glad you said that because I did the same thing. I actually stopped it. I'm like, what the hell did I just yeah. click on? Yeah, yeah, at first, I thought, I was like, oh, did I accidentally click on that Clone Wars movie? And, um, but, you know, so as soon yeah. as I realized what happened, I'm like, oh, we're getting for something special. And it was... I mean, they used a lot of the old music, and yeah, I it mean, was, it was just. I heard even Lucas gave his stamp of approval on it. Like he talked about how much he's enjoying the final season. Well, I mean, Lucas had a lot to do with the Clone Wars when it was on Cartoon Network, but um, yeah, I read an article that was saying this is sort of his like the last thing he had his hand in before he left. Yeah, because he was kind of training Dave Filoni, but um. Yeah, I can't say enough about this this episode. The music um, acting was so amazing. Uh, I mean, all the stuff bringing Obi Wan and Anakin back. I mean, I, it got me in the feels. Glenn, you're you're probably wondering why I'm laughing. I'm just going to tell you. Every now and again, what happens is it sounds like you're uh, Sean William Scott in uh, old school. The connection dips. And it oh, doesn't even no. Hear it's it no, it's it's funny, but like it, we can hear what you're saying, but it's just very slowed down. Oh, okay. There's it's nothing just, you can do about it. It's Skype. no, no. Skype. This, is, this is part of the quarantine fun. Yeah. Okay. It's it's Corona podcasting. That's right. <laughs> it's all good. It's all expected. But um, anyway, yeah, the um, the title of the episode was Old Friends Not Forgotten, um, which I heard someone said sounds like a title for Bruce Springsteen song. But um, <laughs> it does. <laughs> it certainly but, makes yeah, you like the way the episode there's a there's a point in the episode where it was like if a couple characters chose different paths, who knows where the Star Wars story would have gone? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um. I don't know, there was some, I just, there was a lot, of, especially knowing where everything ends up in um, Revenge of the Sith, there was just some, some pretty heartbreaking stuff. Yeah, it was really good. But, um, yes. So on Disney Plus, the episodes yeah. come out on Fridays. And I'm, I'm kind of glad I waited on him because especially for those first two arcs, particularly the second one with the, the two sisters, I would have been kind of pissed off if I was only getting 20 minutes of that. And then I had to wait another week for another part. I would have I would have lost interest and stopped watching it. I felt like those two sisters were holding a Sokatana down. It's like, yeah. all right, let, let's get, get her out and doing what she does best, which, you know, I mean, I, I love her character so much. <laughs> and it's I know her character obviously is not like this because she's a Jedi. She's not evil. But at the, at the same time, I was kind of wishing I was like, you know. Ahsoka's got two lightsabers. Why don't you just put one through each of these bitches and let's get on with it? <laughs> like, I'm, just, I'm tired of watching these two sisters bicker. Hey, can I can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Okay, so I've been going back and I'm, I'm watching Rebels for the first time. Do they explain why Ahsoka has two white lightsabers at any point instead of they blue? Don't, they, they don't. They the do show, in the novel. Yeah. So basically, uh, a white lightsaber is generated when uh, a Jedi purifies a red crystal. So okay. it's 
Yeah, there's there's a novel called Ahsoka, which the thing that's kind of cool, if you get the audiobook, it's read by Ashley Eckstein, who does Ahsoka's voice. But um, and it, it's it, it's kind of her story in between Clone Wars and, and Rebels. Gotcha. Yeah, you know how the the crystals are red because they uh, the dark side makes them bleed. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's just they purify them and they turn white. <laughs> she heals them. Yes. Um, so, Glenn, you saw there was a, a Chuck reunion. This actually kind of makes me excited because I love that show. Yeah, me too. Right, yeah. So, yeah, you could, you could still watch this on Entertainment Week page, I believe. But I, uh, so, yeah, we, uh, you know, a lot of cities are doing things for uh, COVID you know, different relief things, and um, this feeder, a lot of celebrities are, are embarrassing, and they decided, the creators of Chuck decided to do a reunion, and they left the episode, like a fan-favorite episode, and depending on, you know, what the fans liked, and which, um, and then I think Zachary Levi had a lot to, to do with, you know, picking an episode, they just sat through and did a full script read-through of the episode, uh, live on Facebook, but you can go and, you know, rewatch it. But they picked an, a season three episode called Chuck versus the Beard, which Zachary Levi actually directed. And for fans of the show, it's the one when Morgan found out about Chuck. Um, but they did a full read through from the beginning to end. It was the creators, the entire cast, including the guest stars, which one included like Brandon Ruth. They got all of them back. They were all on like a big Zoom call and they all read their parts with the creators kind of doing the narration and stuff like that. And they gave some um, some fun insights. And I just, it was so much fun watching that and watching their reactions and seeing them all now that the show's been over for a while. But it just really made me miss miss Chuck and realize how much I, I enjoyed that show and how fun all, like, fun they all were and how, like, the great camaraderie between the everyone in the cast of that show. But um, I highly recommend if you if you like Chuck, go on the Entertainment Weekly Facebook page. Like I said it's about an hour long, and it's it's really cool what going watching them go through this uh, big script read through. And we also uh, a new streaming service has entered the fold. This is something we've been knowing about for a while, but HBO Max finalized its release date and price. I don't know if you guys got to see any of this, but. We'll have it at the end of the month uh, on the 27th, and it's 14.99. Now I don't know the details, but there's certain kind of access you can get to it if you have, like I think AT&T Uverse subscribers get access to it, or I forgot how it works. But or I'm kind of curious. Pay for HBO. That's the thing. Like I think you get access to 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 it at least for a trial period. It's really yeah. weird because they're keeping well, I, HBO Go, HBO Now up and running. I just don't know why well, this. Well, is, well, well, I well I I read that a lot of people subscribe to now, and it's not through Amazon and everything automatically changed to that. But if you get HBO now through a third party, it'll still be HBO now. But if you get it just straight through HBO, it'll okay. That kind of makes I mean, uh, that, that, it, it, more sense. Yeah. Yeah, because I think the prices are the same. They are. It's it's fourteen ninety nine, which is the same as if you got like HBO uh, now by itself, which is just weird. I don't know why they wouldn't just roll them all into one subscription, but what do I know? 
There seems to be a bunch of shows that there's like four or five different DC Universe shows that are going to debut on it. Friends is going to be on it, Big Bang Theory. So it's like the Warner Brothers catalog. You might get a Warner Brothers ball cap with it. I you were going to say that. <laughs> you know, I found the Warner Brothers ball Warner cap Brothers in my garage. <laughs> I found the black Warner Brothers ball cap in my garage. That's awesome. I find a map in that garage. I don't know, right? <laughs> Um, so, we now move on to films. Glenjamin, did you see Dr. Yes, I did. So, when I went and picked up my uh, new headphones that did not work, and I, like, well, I'm doing a, uh, let me see what they got for sale. Sure enough, for sale was, and I didn't. I missed it in the theater, but my good friend told me how much I love it. So I just went and oh boy, that movie's good. <laughs> I had so much fun watching. Um, it's for those of y'all don't know, this is the, the follow-up to The Shining about young uh, Danny Torrance, now all grown up, played by Ian McGregor, um, dealing with the fallout of pretty much how his life's been growing up with. The pat his past at the at the motel and dealing with his um his little supernatural ability to shine, um and introduced was this weird group of I, the best way I could describe them is like a like a group of vampires that feed off of um these people's supernatural abilities and led by Rebecca Ferguson and that was really disturbing um. I think the best way I could explain it, I mean, it's pretty cool because it's not a complete direct sequel to The Shining. It's its own story where I think if you haven't seen The Shining, you could still watch it and appreciate it. But there are so many Easter eggs and references. Fans of The Shining yeah. are going to love this. So, Glenn, did uh, your wife watch this with you? She did not. Okay. I watched it by I myself. I was wondering how she handled the uh, the scene with the little baseball boy. If oh, she would Jacob, J- Jacob Tremblay, that messed me up. Yeah, it was it was rough, and I yeah, that was one of the hardest things I've seen in movies in quite a while. Cool. What so, would you uh, give it, Glenn? Yeah, um, I liked that how they had like allusions to a couple. Um, Oh geez, I would probably I'd probably give it an eight and a half. I mean, they had some allusions to some other Doctor, uh, I mean Stephen King properties. Like I thought some of the scenes with Rebecca Ferguson, who played Rose the Hat, kind of reminded me of Pennywise almost the way she talked to children. But um, yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Ewan McGregor knocks it out the park too, by the way. Yes, he was amazing in this. So I'd highly recommend Doctor Sleep, but it's definitely gonna mess you up. <laughs> it's it's really it's good. Awesome. Well, Sweet. Ryan, you and I got to watch Uncut Gems. Yeah. So what? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm glad someone else watched it. I've been wanting to watch this for a while. I heard all the mm-hmm. buzz surrounding it. So why don't you take us through a little bit of the plot? Um, Adam Sandler plays a guy who's a complete fuck up. Yep. He basically. It's like Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison or any other movie that he's ever made. 
he uh he owns a jewel store um where he basically uh collects gems and tries to sell you know expensive jewelry but the problem is is that he's got a gambling problem and even when he does things right to make money he then doesn't use that money correctly he then just parlays it into more gambling and gets himself into more serious problems so it's like no matter what he does he's he's just constantly getting himself digging himself into bigger and bigger problems um but the, the basic story of the film is he ends up collecting this this opal from ethiopia that the boston celtics kevin garnett uh comes into contact with when he comes to the store and he becomes obsessed with it and he wants to own it, thinks it gives him special powers and all this different stuff. And from there, it's basically about him trying to get as much money as he can from the sale of this uncut gem, this opal that he managed to buy. And uh, that's basically the gist of the story. As far is as this Kevin, film, is Kevin Garnett playing himself or is he just playing famous basketball player? It takes place, I think, in 2010. That's correct. Which is when the Celtics were actually still very, very good with Kevin Garnett and that whole that whole team that he was on. Um, this, this movie, and stay with me, it kind of reminds me of about Schmidt in that I didn't think the movie itself was very good as far as like story and script, but it had amazing acting performances. See, okay, I'm glad to hear you say that because I kind of felt the same way. The movie, it has almost an identity crisis, and everything you're saying about Adam Sandler's character, he's not a fuck-up like Happy Gilmore. He's a fuck-up like – it's almost like a sinister like, – like you say, he can't get out of his own way. And there's a few moments where you think he's going to kind of pull it like all together, and he just kind of – like you're saying, parlays it or does all kinds of craziness. That being said, Adam Sandler's tremendous in this movie. I can see why it was such a big deal that he got snubbed because he's phenomenal. You've never seen him like this before, even with Punch Drunk Love. Like he's – He's just, but he's also the character's supposed to be this way. He's extremely annoying. Like, I, like you're not necessarily rooting for him. Like everybody in the the movie is really like off. But like even like the soundtrack kind of works against it. It's paced odd, and yeah. I just couldn't decide where I wanted the movie to go. And it kind of culminates in something where where I'm like, okay, I guess I could should have seen that coming. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, I, I don't really. So it's one of those things where I would say like watch it for the performances, but like. I, I kind of I, I see why it wasn't nominated for best picture, but I I do think okay. it should have got a best actor nod. Can I tell? Can I mention? I mean, and believe me, I have no, you know, cr- you know, I have no ability to to criticize a director's choices. But in my personal opinion, the reason he didn't get a best actor nomination, there's a scene where he goes back to his office and he's towards the end of the film, everything he's been trying to do is completely blown up in his face. Beaten up, he's bleeding. His girlfriend comes in and is asking him, trying to ask him what's wrong, and he kind of has an emotional breakdown. But he's covering his face, and you can't really see the emotion on his face. And I really felt like if he moved his hand and you could see his face and see his acting abilities and his emotions about how his whole life is falling apart, that was the scene. That was the Oscar scene right there, and you couldn't really feel it because you couldn't see his face. Which may have been true to real life because if someone's breaking down and you don't want your the person you're in love with to see you, you're going to hide your face. But as an, as being someone watching the movie, I wanted to see his emotions. Yeah. 
So, uh, Ryan, if you, on, a, on a scoring level, if you had a score, what would you give it? A seven. I fucking – I literally wrote the same damn thing down. I, it's it's great to hear that we're aligned on this. And I thought his girlfriend was amazingly gorgeous. Oh, she really was. It's kind Wasn't of funny. That that, in, was that Indina Menzel? No, that, that's his wife. That's his oh, wife. Okay. I mean, she's okay. What, what, she's like, okay. Which, you actually reminded me when you mentioned the girlfriend, though. All the scenes of The weekend. Oh, yeah, the weekend played himself yeah. and did a good job. He likes the cocaine. I mean, don't we all? Well, who doesn't? <laughs> the, the booger sugar, as they call it. <laughs> I believe I'll have me some of that cocaine. <laughs> um. So the next thing we have to talk about, uh, I'm looking at my notes, and I just have Chris Pine Saint written on it, which I guess is true. It is. Is he a saint? He's going to be, I guess. So yeah, he's gonna be Simon Templar. Is this, you know, is this gonna be a movie or a series or what are they? I think it's a movie. Okay. I think I could be wrong. I think it's a movie. I mean, how could they possibly top the Val Kilmer one? I mean, believe it or not, outside of our little circle, it was not a very well received film. <laughs> that movie's I mean, flawless. I, I, I mean, I liked it a lot, but uh, apparently, like, they had really high hopes when this movie came out. Like, they thought this could be a series of like James Bond-ish movies for Val Kilmer to do and yeah. continuously carry on that character, and it just did not work. No. Well, I, I know this. That's the reason that he was not Batman and Batman and Robin because he was doing the Saint. Yeah, he turned it down for the Saint. Yeah. Which, oh, this, I mean, the Saint's better than Batman and Robin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> do it, Ryan. Do your impression. I don't know. I I was thinking of you, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the saint that's people are not going to understand that or think it's funny but no yeah hey you're, well, you're i mean you need to get off your butt and go see the saint yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we all think of chris pine in this role it's I, fun. I think I'm chris little... pine doesn't do much i don't enjoy yeah well all right what i'll say though is can you see him doing multiple characters like val kilmer had to do in the original movie I mean, I, mean, I, I, I kind of, Kim- because I think of, like, his big movie star persona on Star Trek, and I think of how it was, like, too completely. Chris is fine. Chris, Chris is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I heard, too. <laughs> Chris is fine. I, I love that, dude. So uh, we have not done this feature in a while, so it's kind of good to, uh, to to get back to this. But because we've been all in quarantine, we've been watching uh, a lot of old movies, and we're going to revisit the old thing we did, uh, Does It Hold Up? So we've all watched a, a classic movie, some of them from the AFI list, maybe some of them not. But uh, we want to talk about uh, each movie that we've watched from you know the back catalog and that tell you, Does It Hold Up? So who would like to go first? I'll go first just to get this goddamn thing out the way. <laughs> so you like this movie that you're about to talk about? All right. It, it's it's complicated. All right. So I watched Lawrence of Arabia, which everyone who I told this to was like, man, that's a daunting. Ta-. Even my sister, who loves old movies, has not been brave enough to take this film on yet. It's almost the same length as The Irishman. I think it's like it's like three hours and 40 minutes. Four days? 
Three hours and 40 minutes. 40 days. Yeah. <laughs> um, it took me... It took me about... A, I started it late one night, and I finished it around 3 o'clock in the afternoon the next day. It took me a while. Um, it's about this British uh, serviceman, T.E. Lawrence. He gets shipped out to uh, Arabia to basically... You know, just help out with it's in World War One. He's trying to assist with the uh, the local Arabs as they fight off the Turks. And as he gets there, he basically through the three hour movie, he basically is able to unite all the Arab tribes who were previously, you know, separated and fighting amongst themselves and not really working together, brings them all together to defeat the Turks and, you know, achieve all this glory. The first hour and a half of the movie i thought it was great like amazing camera shots with the scope of the desert and peter o'toole as uh, lawrence is um, he's, he's fantastic alec guinness plays an arab in it which i thought would be kind of hilarious <laughs> who the fuck is peter o'toole <laughs> yeah there you go. but um but the movie just drags on and on and it's like every time he completes one task that is presented to him something else pops up and at first, he's kind of like not really he doesn't really want to do it. And he kind of is forced to do it. And to me, there's no way in hell I could say this holds up because I cannot imagine anyone from the ages of what? What's that? The demographic everyone goes for, the like 19 to 42 demographic or whatever the hell it is. 1942. Is it something like 21 to 40? That whole TV demographic everyone goes for. 18 to 25. No, it's a higher number than that. But anyway, either way, if you're in between the ages of 20 and 40, there's no way you can sit through this whole fucking movie. It's excruciating without stopping it. It can't be done. So for no. that reason alone, I would have to say this does not hold up. I, I can't recommend it. I mean, it's a beautifully shot movie, very well acted, but it's so fucking long. And I just don't I, I, I can't I'll, I'll probably never watch it again. Um, well, in keeping with beautifully shot movies, uh, I watched something that I kind of I'm surprised I've never watched before, which is uh, a fistful of dollars. I've never watched the Man with No Name trilogy, um, so I kind of wanted to start. And it, it, luckily, this is kind of short, so I was able to, to take it uh, on pretty quickly. But uh, one thing I'll have to say about this movie is I kind of struggled with whether or not it holds up for a couple of reasons. First of all, it is gorgeously shot. It's uh, filmed in Italy and predominantly Spain. Um, but yeah, Sergio Leone, man, he, he knows his camera. Um, and you can see a lot of where Quentin Tarantino derived his influence from, especially for his weapons. This movie has a lot of that in it. Um, Clint Eastwood in his first starring role, um, he's the Clint Eastwood we know, but it's like, you can see why he became a big star with how cool he is in this. But the basic plot is this man with no name shows up to this town on the, the Mexico United States border and decides that what he's going to do is he's going to start some trouble between these two uh, families of smugglers so that he can profit off of it. And that's really the plot. It's a very simple plot. Like he, he starts it off by, he goes into town and these guys harass him. So he decides I'm just going to shoot all four of them and he kills them. And it happens to be one of the families that's born with the other ones. So he goes to work for the other family and then happens upon them, uh, basically like robbing this gold shipment and so he decides he's going to use that to his advantage and he kind of keeps sowing discord between these two families until eventually they kind of 
the one family captures him and beats him up, and he has to kind of turn things to his advantage. So he's very much an anti-hero in this, which is was interesting to see. But it's like he's not very much different from the criminals he's kind of going up against. So I didn't like necessarily feel any sympathy for him, but he was so cool that I kind of wanted him to win. Uh, and I'm, it makes me very curious for the other films. I think this movie was massively ahead of its time because um, this is the same kind of character. That I think if you kind of like polish it a bit more, uh, I can see people kind of, you know, this being a big hit nowadays with with, with what people watch. Uh, but this particular film, uh, I think from a from a visual standpoint, from a you know acting standpoint, uh, it does hold up. But I think in terms of like the reverence that it gets, I don't know that it necessarily does. Um, I want to see the other two movies to kind of make a final assessment. But I think I'd have to just, you know, maybe 51% it holds up. Um, I need a little bit more to go on, though. I've only seen The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I've never seen the other two. See, and I haven't seen Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, but I'm ready to get to it based on this. I mean, if I want to see the character kind of evolve. But like th- this, this first movie, I'm like, oh, okay. Because literally he – the first shot is he goes to this town. He sees this woman and this kid being harassed, and he's just kind of like, I'm going to drink my water, and I'm going to go into town and, like, cause trouble. So he's kind of like the Mandalorian. Um, a little bit, except you sympathize a lot more with the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I don't find I really sympathize with him all that much. He's just basically like, I want money. Gotcha. Nice. Well, I watched um, I watched Empire of the Sun. It's a 1987 uh... – Steven Spielberg directed film with uh, about basically like a, a prison camp during World War II in China. Um, they, they were being held prisoner by the China by the Japanese who had kind of taken over. And uh, Christian Bale was the star of it in a very very young young age. He's about eleven or twelve in it, I believe. And it's really weird seeing Batman be a little kid. It's really weird. <laughs> I don't know, and it, there's parts where he like he's in a choir at school before he, they get in the camp, and he's singing in this falsetto voice, and it's really weird to see Christian Bale do it. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the movie takes place, uh, right in the middle of world war two. And he's the son of a, uh, textile factory owner and they're a British family, but they're living in, in Shanghai and the war kind of, it's right after Pearl Harbor's happened and the war kind of starts going bad for the Chinese at that point, And the Japanese come in and kind of take over everything. Most of the, um, most of the, uh, European and British and American people get, get out, but then they kind of, lower class ones and some of them get separated they get held back and they get into basically like concentration camps basically and um he gets separated from his parents his parents do get away and he gets he uh he meets up with this kind of con man these well he's two con men one played by john malkovich and the other one played by joe pantaleano and um they kind of take him under their wing just but just for whatever benefit they can get from him and it's basically just about this kid doing what he can to survive and how he changes from this little kid that's got everything to this kid who survives off of nothing. And he goes through a lot of stuff and it's, it was a very good movie. I just, my wife had told me she'd seen it before and she said, it's, it's really depressing. And I guess having seen, this is a PG movie and having seen Schindler's list, this is not anywhere near as depressing as something like Schindler's list is. Um, I mean, there are some people that die in it, but I mean, and people get sick with malaria, but in this camp, I mean, they're not just executing people left and right. Like they are in Schindler's list, but it was, uh, it was still a very good movie. The score was fantastic. Um, a lot of the, the shots and stuff were really good. It wasn't overly long. It's a little over two hours, but, um, I thought it, it held up very well. I'd, I'd definitely watch it again. So 
Uh, very good. Uh, I actually kind of watched two movies because um, one movie that I've kind of always I don't know if I actually saw it. If I did, I was very young. I didn't remember it all was um, Swiss Family Robinson, one of the classic Disney films. And when I pulled up Disney Plus and pulled up Swiss Family Robinson, there were two versions of it. There was a 1940 version and a 1960 version. So I thought that might be cool to to watch both of them and kind of compare. Um, both of them kind of have the same basic gist, the uh, uh, Robinson family. They're um, going from point A to point B. In the old movie, it's from, I believe, Switzerland to Australia. In the newer, in the 1961, they're leaving one. Um, they're leaving London to go to New Guinea, um, and their ship shipwrecks on this island, and, and they have to find a way to survive on this island full of animals while still maintaining their family and, you know, trying to get rescued and stuff like this. Then um, it's kind of famous for the house that they that they build in the in the trees out of the wreckage of the ship. Um, so the 1941 this that was hard to get through i mean this was a movie it was made in the 30s it's very obviously it was a sound stage that none of the characters were particularly likable there were some kind of interesting parallels to present day where one of his kids was obsessed with um with uh napoleon and wanted to go join the napoleon's army because he thought and I'm not going to get political, just I think the line was in the movie where he said he, Napoleon was just trying to make Europe great. But um, so the, the dad just up and decides, well, I don't like the way my kids act and I'm going to take the whole family and move us to Australia. They sell all their stuff and get on the ship. The whole time the wife is complaining, she misses her life at home. You know, the kids are kind of jackasses. I mean, it's uh, it was just hard to get through. And, you know, it was just. The quality of the cinema wasn't all that great. I mean, of course, it was 1940. And I mean, and apparently Walt Disney saw this one and it inspired him to remake it. Um, so the 1941, I wouldn't say really holds up. It's not overly long. It's probably about 90 minutes. Now, the 1961, Apples and Oranges. This one was beautifully shot. You could tell they shot it on location. Lots of animals, lots of greenery. The big famous treehouse that they recreated at Walt Disney World. Um, the performances are great. You could definitely tell the Disney editions. There are a lot of they made it more of an adventure movie with them getting chased by pirates. And there's a fun love interest for one of the kids. Um, so that one and actually Felicity, we put it on. We thought it was going to put her to sleep and she ended up watching almost the whole thing with it. So I would say the 1961 definitely still holds up. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun adventure movie. It reminded me of kind of a Pirates of the Caribbean vibe. The 1941, however, I would say skip it. Just go for the 1961. Um, it's like I said, it's it's on Disney Plus. It's a lot of fun, so I would check that one out. Sweet. <laughs> God bless I'd you, Ray. Thank you. Hold that in next time when we're recording, you asshole. Well, I tried, man, but like, yeah, it was it was bad. Son of a bitch! You leave my mother out of this. <laughs> so now it is time to nominate this week's awesome villager, gentlemen. Who are your nominees and why? I'll I'm gonna go nominate. With, uh, oh, go, go ahead. You go oh, first, Ryan. Go ahead. I was gonna go with Adam Sandler, um, since I just saw his performance in Uncut Gems, and 
Well, the movie was was good. His performance was great. I do believe he should have been given an Oscar nomination. Um, I thought he was. It's unlike anything he's ever done before. Um, but he somehow manages to really play the role very seamlessly. Uh, it doesn't feel like he's really stepping outside of his bounds of his abilities. So, yeah. And I mean, his classic comedy films will live on forever. So I'm gonna go with Sandler. Cool. I'm gonna go with uh, Billy Joe Armstrong, the front man from Green Day. He's been doing this thing during the during the coronavirus quarantine that he's calling a uh, No Fun Mondays, where he just he does some kind of new presentation every Monday. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he did a thing where he had Susanna Hoffs from the Bangles in her house playing guitar and him playing guitar, and they performed Manic Monday. Oh, really- Susanna, Hoffs. Susanna Hoffs was my first ever celebrity crush. Mine sure. too. Yes. And I, I, I'm still kind of crushing on her after watching that little thing with them. But um, yeah, yeah, she has. But uh, anyway, and this this week he um he put out a performance um that they recorded where uh, it's Green Day performing that thing you do um to honor um Adam Schlesinger who we we lost to the the coronavirus. But uh, it's been interesting little things he's been putting out just kind of from the the quiet of his own home. It looks like he's got kind of like a little studio set up in his house, and he does that so. Yeah, that um, that telethon thing that Lady Gaga put on. He played um, "Wake Me Up When September Ends." Yeah. Oh yeah, wow. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. I guess I'll go next. Uh, I'm gonna nominate Ashley Eckstein, the um, the voice of Ahsoka Tano. Um, I know she had a lot to do with the character and its inception, and um, as a lot of people know that. Star Wars hasn't, like, Lucasfilm hasn't officially confirmed it, but it seems pretty spot on that Rosario Dawson's going to be taking the character over. And she was pretty classy about the way she's been handling it. She's not trash-talking it. But these past few episodes, I mean, even the ones with the sisters, whether you like it or not, she's just killing it as Ahsoka. I mean, Oh, no, she was, I had no problem with her. The sisters I found kind of annoying. They were just these bickering sisters. Which, yeah, I I completely understand. Ahsoka was fine in all of them. She's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and... Considering, I don't think, I can't remember in recent memory a character starting up being so universally hated. Oh, shifting. I remember you and I, Glenn, you remember you and I watched that first, the first Clone Wars movie when it came out, and we were like, oh my god, this is awful. Like, her character was right. terrible. And the the way she shifted and it became this fan favorite, yeah. I've never seen anything like this before. Like, imagine someone that was almost hated as much as Jar Jar Binks all of a sudden yeah. becoming, you know, the most popular character in the, the thing. It just blows me away. And I think that has a lot to do with Ashley Eckstein's performance. And she, like I said, I know her and, um, and, and the people at Lucasfilm, she had a lot of input into this character and it's in the way that it was animated. So I'm going to go with Ashley Eckstein. I think she's just killing it. Ahsoka Tano is the Steve of Stranger Things of the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> I, I, I like that comparison. Uh, I'm going to nominate uh, Ian Summerholder. Uh, one of the things that's happened over the course of this quarantine is uh, is Heather used to love the Vampire Diaries, and she's kind of used my Netflix account to watch it. So she got me to start watching it. And uh, you guys know me. I'm a big Anne Rice fan, fan of vampires, which is why Twilight disappointed me so much. And I feel like this show is kind of what Twilight wanted to be but didn't quite do. Um, it's a, it's a, a good show. It's more solid than I expected it to be, and I, I've been enjoying it. But his performance, uh, he reminds me a lot of like of the vampire Lestat. But what's interesting about him is uh, like Heather can't understand why I like him so much. But it's like he's an asshole. Gorgeous. But I, I know the 
reasons why he's an asshole. Like, he's so pretty. <laughs> look at him. Yeah. Well, no, but it's it's funny because uh, it's for everything that he does, but like his performance, and he's a local boy too. He's from Louisiana. He's from Cumberland. Uh, Glenn is going down his hallway and, and got a picture of, uh, of of Sandra and him that they took at Comic Con. Uh, he's he's phenomenal as the vampire. You kind of love to hate, but also like it's it's really really interesting. So his performance, I, I can't say enough about him. He was booing on Lost. Uh, Ian Summerholder, you get my vote, man. That's, yeah, that episode of Lost where they were going to cut his leg off, and that, that was that was rough. That was rough. So, gentlemen, you have to vote for someone other than your own. Who would it be? Um, uh, since I just saw, I just watched them all. I'm gonna go with Ashley Eckstein. Ahsoka. Yeah, I was gonna say like I, the only like Sam's performance was great, but I can't you know forget Grown Ups and Grown Ups Two. Uh, you know, much <laughs> less the, rest of the movie. Um, and also Billy Joe Armstrong. I want to welcome him to the paradise of Awesome Villager, but can't necessarily do that. Uh, Ashley Eckstein, though, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. Like, that's a character that could have gone the way of Jar Jar, but did not. Um, and in Rebels, she's so she's so integral. And yeah. uh, I, I'm kind of excited to see her brought to live action, so I'm going to go with Ashley Eckstein. And I think I would have gone with uh, uh, Boone. <laughs> Ian Sommerholzer. Nice. So, uh, he, was very uh, nice. cool. he was very nice to my wife. <laughs> At the next time, please come and uh, hang out with us, and and you know, let us let us talk about you know your white lightsabers. I, I don't know really what to say, but yeah, come hang out with us and tell us all about the Star Wars stuff because that would be fun. And I know she doesn't she have like a whole line of like geek like clothing. I believe you're right. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been another fun week, guys. Here in quarantine, you've broken the monotony. Allow me to have a good time. Uh, we maybe do some extra episodes, kind of like we did with Tiger King. Glenn and I have been talking about uh, doing something with our our friend Neil and uh, Ryan and John. He is excited, about, by the way. I, I, yeah, and uh, Ryan and John have been talking about doing something with uh, with the NFL draft because it's going to be interesting this year. Uh, we also might have a special guest next week, but I'm going to hold that off until everything is kind of finalized. Um, but we're kind of excited about that as well. So. Please remember to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, yeah, give us some suggestions as to what you might want to see in the future. Um, also, I'm going to take a moment, if you guys don't mind, to plug. I have a, a YouTube channel I'm trying to get off the ground uh, called Face for Radio, and I've been plugging the podcast on that, but I've only had one video so far. Uh, there should be like two more coming out by the end of the week. So uh, please give that a watch. We'll get on that. Awesome. All right. Guys. So, uh, guys, it's been fun. This has been Greg, John, Glenn, and Ryan. We will see you next week.